Well, good morning again. Only a few weeks left in Ecclesiastes, and um, next week, actually, Dave will be the one preaching out at Sounds of Summer, and so you get to see Dave there, and then uh, we'll just have two more weeks of this, what has been, I feel like, a blessing. This book has been a blessing this summer, uh, and then we're going to be back to the school year routine, so summer is almost toast. I hate to say that, but uh, it's, things are wrapping up here, but today, we're going to be in um, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and uh, we're going to start uh, with verse 7, verse 7 through 10. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 7. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of, of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going." Let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, this word. Thank you for your word. This book, God, that you've given us that reveals who you are and um, who we are, Lord. And today, God, I just ask that you would let this speak into us, God, that you would allow this time to, for us to hear whatever it is that you need us to hear. Would you give me words to speak Lord, we just bind the enemy in the name of Jesus right now, and we just ask that your will can continue to be done in this place, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So by the age of 70, most people will have spent about 10 years watching TV. Isn't that interesting? On average, people will spend five years and four months of their lifetime on social media. That's not just like on your phone. That's just on social media, apart from the other things that happen on computers and your handheld devices. By the age of 21, the average viewer will have seen one million TV commercials. Isn't that amazing? 69% of smartphone users check their devices within the first five minutes of waking up in the morning. 20% of people that took a survey said that they would rather go without shoes for a week than their phone. <laughs> Is that saying something? On average, smartphone owners unlock their phones 150 times a day. 71% of smartphone owners sleep next to their mobile phones on any typical night. And according to data collected in 2019, 86% of smartphone users, users will check their devices while in conversations with friends and family. Anybody ever have a pet peeve of that? I have a pet peeve of that, and I do it, too. Both. <laughs> this happened this week. I felt like the biggest bonehead. Do you ever have a moment in, like, in, if you're married in your marriage where there's not even really an argument to be had because one person is just so obviously wrong and the other one's right, you know? 
where it's just like there's not even a fight there because it's just like I, I screwed up. You know, Erica's telling me a story about the day and my phone rings and I glance over at it and it just like immediately I got sucked into the situation that was on the phone and it was just like she's telling me the story and I pick it up and I just, just real quickly responded and then I brought my undivided attention back to her. <laughs> she wasn't super impressed. Can be such a slave to these things, right? We, we ring or get a notification to just pick it up. I don't even really notice it. But I share all these statistics because I believe that they tie in to the message today, especially verse 10. See, we are all overstimulated, and, and I feel like, in a way, what that kind of has created in us is that we become overstimulated and then undercommitted. We just be, we're bombarded all day by so much that, that by the end of the day, we spend, you know, we've spent our days dodging and addressing things, ignoring and fighting, just moving forward, and we just feel so tired before we ever actually do anything purposeful. It's hard to commit to anything when there's just such an acknowledgement of all the different options that we have out there. And more than ever, I feel like it's hard to tie ourselves down. And I, I see this often in myself, but also just with friends and family and different things. It, it seems like we hate to tie ourselves down to one thing just in case there might be something better that pops up and we don't want to miss it. And so instead, we kind of miss everything waiting for something. I don't know if you can relate. Now, you might say, undercommitted. Greg, I, I don't know if I'm really undercommitted. I feel like I'm overcommitted. We're running to, uh, this way and that way. Our summer's been filled with all these camps and family activities and all this stuff. I feel like we're running. But I would even argue there, sometimes an overcommitment in many areas means that there's actually an undercommitment in a lot of areas, if that makes sense. And too many people live with just like a 20% level of commitment in so many things that they do. We are like customers in a cafeteria line that take a little of this, a little of that, not too much of anything because we don't want to, you know, what if something better comes out? It's like the pizza ranch thing. I get there and I'm like, well, I don't want to commit too much to this pizza because what if the chicken bacon ranch stuffed crust comes out, you know? And I would be full. That would be a terrible thing, right? We are people that like to mull over our options as we absorb and as we're stimulated by so many different things and turn we're 20% committed to our marriage and to 20% to work, 20% committed to relationships and families and 20% to our careers and 20% to church. And then the problem with that is sometimes we don't really know what it's like to be committed and we end up being 20% committed to Jesus. And we wonder why we're frustrated, why we're antsy, why we get bored or why we get just so burnt out. But then as long as you get just another hit of dopamine from something entertaining that flashes on our screens, we feel slightly satisfied and then inappropriately accomplished. Church, I feel like we miss out on some of the biggest blessings when we don't commit. The mission team just got back from Alaska last week. And as I've talked to people from that team, I keep hearing, I'm glad I went. You know, I'm glad I went. It was good. But I know for many of them, it's hard to commit to 10 days or so, right? It's hard to commit to the price tag. But that commitment led to blessing for them, but also for the kingdom of God. 
I'd like to combine verses, uh, verse 10 today in Ecclesiastes 9 with Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. These are very familiar verses because I think what they do is we find a biblical answer to being undercommitted. First in Ecclesiastes 9, 10, it says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you're going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do you have trouble finding things to do? I feel like that's not really a thing. There's always something, you know, there's, there's something, you know, the table has to be cleared, the trash has to be taken out, the dog needs to be walked, you know, his, you know, whatever, the yard needs to be cleaned, pills need to get paid, someone's got to get to the office early, someone has to check invoices or prepare lesson plans, someone has to replace the oil filter in the car, someone has to greet customers or be on call this week or stay late to lock up, someone's got to teach fourth grade Sunday school. See what I did there? That was like a hint that we need teachers. Someone has to go to band practice, to file the papers, to run the kids to their next thing. Someone has to drive the carpool on Thursday. It goes on. That's what life is. It's a whole bunch of duties, large and small, that someone has to do. Our, our hands find a lot to do. And Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Do that thing with all your might. With all your might. Whatever you do, do it heartily, with enthusiasm, with passion, with zeal, with 100% commitment. Even the most mundane task is worthwhile if we do it in the right spirit. Martin Luther used to say that a dairymaid can melt cows to the glory of God. That is the truth. If your job is shoveling manure, then do your best and shovel that manure for the glory of God. And if you do it well, you honor God just as much as the brain surgeon who saves someone, someone's life. Do it with all your might. And the verse says, and do it now because there's a time coming that you're not going to have a chance to do this stuff with all your might. Life is the opportunity that we have to press on, to press forward, to do these things with all our might. Last part of verse 10, we aren't going to have these type, this type of work and opportunity where we're going. I mean, one of the gifts I found as being a, a, a pastor is perspective. When I get to be with people on some of the best days of their life and also some people on, on the hardest days of their lives. I get to visit people whose bodies don't work like they used to. They aren't able to do what they used to or certainly aren't able to do all that they now want. And when I leave those meetings, I'm always reminded of what's in front of me in my future. Days where my knees won't be able to climb mountains, my mind might not be able to string together a sermon, my voice might not be able to project and it just motivates me to not waste the years of my healthy body. And for everyone in here today, if you got to church today, the truth is you are able to do things right now that you won't always be able to do. And that leads into Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, which says, And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 
The New Living Translation puts it like this. In whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus. And have you ever seen somebody walking around, 20% committed to what they're doing, little bored, half distracted, you know, kind of like, kind of out of it, and been like, wow, I wonder where that person gets their zeal for life, man. That is amazing. I want what they want to have. How do you do it? No, but we have an opportunity when we work with all of our mights as if we're working for the Lord, that people notice that. There's something very attractive about that. And in, in today's age, I think it sticks out even more because there's just so much mediocre out there. A whole lot of people maybe just doing the bare minimum. So here's my question for you today. The first question is, how well do you represent Jesus during your standard day? How well do you represent Jesus in your standard day? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation, that God was, was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal through you. Is the way that you live your life for Jesus making an appeal that people can still look and be like, I can, I, I can see, I get it. I can see why Jesus transforms life. I can see the reconciliation that's taken place in that person's life. I can see that they live their life with an urgency and a purpose that I don't see other places. Christ has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, although God, as though God was making his appeal through us. It goes on, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You are a new creation. Do you look like that out in the world? It's easy to understand why the world is confused by the church, isn't it? Because so often we do our best to try not to look different. Sometimes we're more committed to blending in than actually sticking out for Christ. But God is trying to make an appeal through you to use you to show the world His goodness, His grace, and His transformative work. Are they seeing that? If not, why? Do you still not understand the lottery that you've won in Jesus Christ? The eternal life that is yours? The spirit that he's placed in you? The sins that he's washed you of? The adoption that has taken place for you into God's family? 
in work as if you're working for the Lord and, and doing all in the name of Jesus seems like the bare minimum we should be doing. We see Paul modeling this exact kind of idea of working with all of his might, pressing on, pushing forward, trying his best to just make the name of Jesus great in his life through every situation as he writes in the book of, he writes the letter of Ephesians, I believe, from a Roman prison. He says, pray also for me, Paul says, that whenever I do speak, Words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. That word again. He's an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Pray for me that I can whenever I speak words, that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, he says that word again, as I should. Sometimes we look at the Apostle Paul as like this guy who just seemed to just, man, he just had it figured out. He wasn't even human, man. He was just on a mission. But we see here, he was afraid. Paul's asking, he's like, I... I'm in chains, I don't know what's happening next, and I just need to make sure, I'm afraid, and I just want to make sure that when I speak, that I don't speak fearlessly. That I can declare this fearlessly as I should, because there's nothing to be afraid of when to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul was all in for Jesus, 100% committed, not because it was easy, not because it wasn't fearful at times, but because he just did it. He didn't leave any other options open because Paul knew this truth that Jesus was the only option. He was the only way. Nothing else compared. He was excited to use the time he had on this side of heaven to do the one thing he couldn't do once he died. And so he worked with all of his might to share the good news of Jesus Christ by the ways he worked, he spoke, and he lived all in the name of Jesus. And if you're here today realizing that you're living maybe uncommitted in a lot of ways, and maybe in your faith walk you've been rather uncommitted, I want to remind you of this, that Jesus is still 100% committed to you. His love never fails and he never forsakes, but he died for you. And I hope that the fact that Jesus is 100% for you gives you an, a, the courage to step in deeper and go 100% for him. My brother Stephen was here in, in February. He talked about full send Christianity. And that's what we're talking about today. Just send it. What are you waiting for? There's abundant life waiting, so much waiting. It isn't going to get better than Jesus. We don't need to mull over our options on this one to kind of, uh, let's do this but not all the way because there might be something better. The chicken bacon ranch might come out the oven any second here. And the encouraging message for you today is when Jesus sees you, he's not mulling over his options. He sees you and he's all in. 
He's all in. He's not worried about what else he could maybe get. So Paul in Philippians chapter 3.12 says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He just presses on knowing that there's more of myself that I can give to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I press on to do that because he gave me everything he had and I want to trust him and give him all that I have. Jesus is 100% in today. And through our many options and our overstimulations and our thousand things that we can to do, there's one decision at the base of all that that will transform every single thing you pursue. And it's the commitment level that you have to our Lord Jesus Christ. I say that today not to put a burden on your back, not to make you leave here today feeling beat up and discouraged that I'm only 20%. I say that today as an encouragement that regardless of where you're at, Jesus hasn't changed his mind. And he's still just patiently waiting. He's patiently waiting for the light bulb to go off, for you to say, yeah, Jesus, I'm done mulling over my options. And thank you so much for not mulling over your options when it came to me. Let's pray. Lord, you're a good and a gracious God. And today, Lord, we just come and we want to do all that we do with all our might for you. We want to give you glory in all that we do. We want to pursue you in all that we do. We want you to be entangled and entwined in every single part of our life. And we know that you are, but sometimes we walk through without really acknowledging that or thinking of it. And today, God, I just ask that whatever we find our hands in, we would do it with all of our might as it gives glory to you, Lord. And so, Lord, would you just continue to fill us with all that we need to do that? Thank you, Heavenly Father. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.